turn myself on here. Yahweh, holy uh, is his name. Today we get to study this wonderful, uh, self-revelatory, uh, descriptive, powerful, awesome name of God. This name is the most prominent and most frequently used name in all of the Hebrew Old Testament. How about 6,823 times is that name, that name Yahweh used um, in the Old Testament. I don't know if you've ever taken one of these personality inventory tests. Have, have you ever done that? I'll tell you, if you have not done it, I, I actually recommend it. It can be uh, encouraging and exhilarating and deeply humbling because I took one a few years ago, and it was so accurate, and it is still very accurate to this day. It was the DISC, the D-I-S-C, and I was a clear C, which is known as a creator. And I want to give you some strengths and weaknesses of the uh, creator, all right? So here, here, here they are. Oh, my. Driven. My son, please don't say amen out there, my son that knows me well. Analytical, intense, complex, prefer to work alone. That's not always good as a, for a pastor, but that's, that's who I am. That's who y'all got. Uh, want time to explore and freedom to probe. Tactful, self-critical, boy am I, overly serious, cannot accept any answer but only the best answer. And in, Terry, I heard you laugh. <laughs> oh, mercy. This is hard because I'm a barren, your quasi-new pastor is bearing his soul this morning. This is, this is who he is. Um, a perfectionist can be aloof, true, and delay when there is every reason to move ahead but his own. And he needs someone to tap into his creative side to put his better ideals into practice. All of that in the name of Creator. Now, when you come to the name of the names of God, the name Yahweh, it opens up an enormous cornucopia of, I mean, just revelation of who God is. His nature, his attributes, his characteristics, how he is in one breath, he is extreme love, and simultaneously he is extreme holiness and justice. A moment ago I prayed that I am I'm very spent and a weak preacher this morning. The reason is I just gave every ounce of energy I had in this 930 service preaching on the name of God. This name, Yahweh, Israel's covenantal God, the self-existent, eternal God. Hava is the Hebrew word, means being. He was, he is, he will forever be. Well, what makes your God better than their God? Somebody asked my 16-year-old son that question this week. Why do you worship that God, and are you saying that all the other gods are false, and and Leighton said, well, I didn't say that. God said that. That's what God said. He said, I am God. I am Yahweh, the eternal, self-existent God who causes everything, but nobody causes him. The eternal, everlasting God. And today, we get to study him and, and worship him 
and learn of him. So I invite you to stand. Stand to your feet, please. And we're going to read this sacred text. I'll read it out loud, and you can follow on the screen, or you can follow in your copy of the Scriptures. (sighs) Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And the Lord proclaimed the name of the Lord. Church family, what you see in these texts are God telling us who he is. God's going to preach a sermon on his name. And the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed. Now, God is telling us who he is. Here he is. The Lord, the Lord God is, he's merciful. He's gracious, patient, abounding, overflowing in goodness and truth. He keeps his mercy for thousands. He forgives. I forgive your iniquity, transgression, and sin. By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is a word of revelation, of disclosure. God says, I want to let you know who I am. And the two preeminent, predominating attributes or salient characteristics of this God is number one, he is love. And number two, he is holy. These have to stay in juxtaposition and they have to stay together. You cannot isolate his love over his holiness or you'll become this syrupy, little gumpy Christian. But if you accentuate his holiness and let it overshadow his love, then you will become like many have become in the Baptist church. You will become mean, critical, judgmental. And God says, that's not me. I am total love and total holy. And Moses is like, wow. The Bible says, watch what Moses does in response to God's self-revelation. I love this. Verse 8, so Moses... He hurried up. He bowed his head on the ground and he worshiped God. Listen, when you see him and when you really meet him, he changes you. You you can't do church like many of you are doing it right now. You're you're doing the deal. You're just checking it off. You, You need to meet God. I mean, really meet him in his word and, and meet him in his holiness and in his love. And Moses met him, and Moses was like, he was just blown away by the enormity of the essence and the ontology of God, true God that he is. And Moses goes to his face. And then Moses said, Oh God, if I have found grace in your sight, l- listen to the reverence and the awe. Oh, Lord, let my Lord, Adonai, I pray, go with us. Go. God, go with, go with us. Even though, God, we are pitiful, we are a 
dense, leather tough, stiff necked bunch of Baptists. I mean, bunch of people. And pardon our iniquity, O God. Forgive us of our sins and take us. Look, 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 please don't miss that. He, he ends the request the way he begins the request. And in essence, it's God, go with us. God, take us as your people, as your inheritance. Thank you for honoring God by standing. You may be seated. This name of God, Yahweh, is mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, when it talks about God the Creator. But really the most revealing text in all the Bible about who Yahweh is is Exodus chapter 6. Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, well, what's his name? Well, what is his name? God, what do you want me to tell them? And God said, Moses you just tell them that I just am. I am. I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent me. I am. I have no beginning and no ending. I am. There's nothing before me. There's nothing after me. I am. The Greek, the, the, excuse me, the Hebrew word is hava. It is to be. I am. I am God. And I am speaking to you, Moses. Go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now, let me give you another verse. Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. Another word of revelation about who God is, Yahweh. And God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I am the Lord. Now, church family, please look. Whenever you see cap, all caps, that is very significant. And a good translation of your Bibles will have all caps in L-O-R-D if it is the Hebrew word Yahweh or Jehovah. If it's not all caps, it is either Elohim or most likely it is Adonai, which are important names, by the way. But they're not this name. This is the name. This is his name. He says, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, not Joseph Smith or Buddha or Muhammad. It's not who I am. That's not who I am. This is who I am. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as El Shaddai in the Hebrew, God El Shad Almighty. But by my name, Yahweh, I did not reveal myself to them as that name. You say, why? Because the law had not been given. Now the law is given. The covenant-keeping God of Israel is the Lord. Now, when you studied it in its etymology, when you study the root meaning of this word Jehovah or Yahweh, here's what you get. The Hebrew language had no vowel points. A-E-I-O-U, they didn't have that. Until the 10th century, a group of scholars called the Masoretes, they inserted vowel points into the consonants so that the Hebrew language could be perpetuated. 
But when they came to that name, it was like, they just, they didn't want to touch it. Where have, where have we gone? We're so flippant. And we're so, oh my, G-O-D. And, and it, that, when those scholars came to that name, it was just like a holy reverence and an awe. And they said, what do we do with this name? This is his name. And so what they did is they took the root word of being, hava, and they added the vowel points of Adonai, and that's why you get the word Jehovah. Jehovah and Yahweh are the same name in its etymology in the Hebrew. 6,823 times Yahweh. Who is he? Well, today we're going to study who he is. And after a word of revelation, we'll look at a word of response. Uh, and then we'll get, get into the closing, closing at the word of request. I just got to pray one more time, guys. Thank you all so much for being patient with your preacher today. I, I just cannot rush through this sermon. I, I'm just, I just can't. If you need to leave in about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, then you, you go. But I'm not. Oh, God, if I ever needed you, I need you now. I need you to help me talk about you. Lord, would you speak profoundly and cogently, powerfully, God, succinctly speak to these precious people. God, they are here at least because they have a modicum, God, of interest in you and who you are. Lord, most are here for what you can do for them. God, would you transcend our selfish desires for what you can do for us? And God, what we can do for you and how we can know you better. And I ask this, Lord, and I really ask you and I beg of you to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, number, number one is a word of revelation. Moses returns to Mount Sinai, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. Why is he there a second time? Well, you remember the story. He, the first time, he had the tablets, the words of God etched in the stone. And Moses is all just pure and radiant and thrilled with the glory of God and the commands of God, which are very... A society is based upon those Judeo principles known as thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal and you shall worship the Lord your God and him only and no other gods. Those are the Ten Commandments. And Moses comes down off Mount Sinai and Aaron and the people are worshiping this golden calf. They have erected a false god. We have false gods today they had a false god then, and they began to worship that golden calf. And Moses was so irate. He was so angry with them going, what are you people doing? And he just threw it down. He threw down the tablets, and they burst and broke. Exodus 34, 1, God says, we're going we're to do this again. Uh, Moses, you broke them. Come back. And when you come back, I want to show you something that I have never shown you before. I'm going to tell you my name. The two characteristics of God's name that we're going to examine from the holy text today is number one is that he is a God of love. Isn't that awesome? 
that God is a God of love. If you look in verse 6, it says, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful. The Hebrew word is rakum. It means to be compassionate toward. Isn't that, doesn't that strike you as interesting? I mean, after all, isn't the God of the Old Testament different than the God of the New Testament? That's what Marcion said, the first century heretic in the early church. He said, the God of the Old Testament is this mean God. And man, just read him. He's always zapping people from, uh, from heaven, and he's killing people, annihilating people. And he's just mean. We don't like him. We like this Jesus God. And so he tried to have this dichotomy in the very ontology, the essence of God. Tried to make a, a good God over here and a bad God over here. That's why they called him a heretic. He was a heretic. No, it's not two gods. It's one God. And he said, the first thing I want y'all to know is, in my innermost essence, I am merciful. I want to tell you something, friend. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, then you need to have an aha awakening moment. Because every single solitary one of you, and by the way, this preacher's pointing his finger at you, and I got three or four other fingers pointing back at me. We are all sinful. We have all done dastardly evil things. We have gone there. We have slept with that there. We have taken that in our bodies. We have done things, said things, chewed on things, ruminated on things, and we stand before God very, very guilty. And in His grace, He doesn't kill us. He is, he is so loving toward you. He gave you air to breathe. Even though you used His name in vain this week, He didn't zap you. Why? Because He, he, is, he is loving. And aren't you glad? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm very, very glad because I know me, Mr. Self-critical, independent, judgmental little preacher I am sometimes. I'm so glad. God doesn't just kill me. And you should be glad too. If you understand who you are and you understand who he is, you'll say, oh, thank you, God, that you are merciful. Number two, he says, I'm gracious. Kanan is the Hebrew. It means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior, to show mercy, to have pity. God says, I am this cosmic, eternal, awesome, everlasting Yahweh God. And yet I'm very condescending. I, I lower myself to acknowledge you. I am pristine, radiant, beautiful, purity. And yet, I am loving, and I'm kind, and I'm condescending, and I lower myself to acknowledge you. Oprah Winfrey says, if that's your God, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Oprah, you're wrong. You need to have something to do with him because he's all there is. We create a God, a syrupy, sweet grandpapa God in our image. We call him God. That is idolatry. But let's just let God be who he says he is, okay? So he's merciful. He's gracious. Number three, he is patient, slow to anger. He is amazingly long-suffering and patient. I'm so glad that God is patient. Aren't you glad he's patient? Aren't you glad that he just says, 
I love you, and I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive you. I, it, that's just who he is. He is so amazing. Absolutely. You, God, are amazing. And I'll just acknowledge you today. You are kind, very gracious. This is present. This is just like palpable in here this morning. I don't know if you know it. But he is here. Some of you are looking at me like Benjamin Franklin looked at George Whitfield. George Whitfield was a preacher in colonial America, and Ben Franklin says, I don't, I don't know if I believe in his God, but I think he believes in his God. <laughs> I do. I really believe in him. Merciful, gracious, patient. No, oh, look at this next one. Abounding in goodness and truth. Rab, R-A-B is the Hebrew word. It means to overflow, to be abundant, to be enough. He's not, look, look, guys, he's not just good. He's big time really good. He overflows like an avalanche, like a torrential downpour. It's, it's not this miserly little sprinkling of a rain. It is a torrential downpour of, of God's amazing goodness, truth. He says, I'll abound in it, Moses. That's who I, this is who I am. And then he says, I am one who keeps mercy. He's not shifty, flighty, or capricious like us. He is immutable, steadfast in his nature. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. Great is his faithfulness. And finally, he says, in case you missed it, look, look at verse 6. Seven, I abound in mercy, uh, goodness, and truth. Here it is. Keep mercy for thousands, and I forgive you of your sins. Note the triad, the trilogy of complete forgiveness. Look, look guys, look at it closely. Look at the text. I forgive you of, number one, your iniquity, number two, your transgression, and number three, your sin. Well, who is God in the first place that he thinks that I need to be forgiven by him? You ignoramus, he is God. He is God. And we are not. We stand in desperate need of his mercy to flow and his, his forgiveness to rain down upon us. And guys, if you don't recognize that, if you don't understand that, you'll never go anywhere with God in your spirituality. you got to realize who he is, and you got to realize who you are, okay? This is our God. 1 John 4, 8 says he is love. Psalm 103, verse 12, oh, come on. As far, as far as the east is from the west. This is how far I will remove your dastardly behavior, your evil, sinful thoughts. Come to me. I forgive you. I cleanse you. I remember it no more. You will be justified through Jesus Christ, his blood on the cross, and you will be reconciled, and, and you will be forgiven. You will be whole. You will be complete. This is our God. He is loving, church. He is forgiving. 
and, notice I did not say but, and he is holy. He says he is holy in verse 7. He says, by no means do I clear the guilty. In fact, he goes on to give an explanation upon this. He says, I visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, what does that mean and what does that not mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means when a father, and by the way, if you're of the male gender, God still looks upon you as the leader, okay? If you want to call me sexist or call me ignorant or a theological hillbilly bumpkin pumpkin of the past, that's fine, but God still looks at the male to be the spiritual dynamic leader, the priest of his home. Fathers have an amazing influence on their children. And when dad, when you sin against God and you perpetuate that sinful aroma and behavior to your son and he perpetuates it to his son, your grandson, and he perpetuates it to his son, your great-grandson, then God says you're all guilty and God punishes you. But notice this. He has not punished you for your, for your father's sin. He punishes you for your sin, but your father helped create the environment for sin. Does that make any sense? It has to make sense. Or the next verse does not make sense. Look at the passage from Deuteronomy. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. Note a person shall be put to death for his own sin. Now, the best verse to understand this is Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, where it says, And God visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, of the children, so forth and so on, quote, of those who hate me. Listen, guys, I, I see this so many times. I see this perpetual carrying on of, of sin, whatever the sin may be. And it is, it is the father, and the father passes it down to the son, and the son gladly embraces it. And then, but then, hold on, there comes a day. There's a day where you stop, you say, enough. Just because my dad was addicted to pornography doesn't mean I am. Just because my dad abused my mom and beat me with an inch in my life doesn't mean that I'm going to. And so in Jesus' name, you say, stop. We're, we're stopping that. And I'm not going to perpetuate this evil behavior of my family down to my posterity. I'm going to be, I'm going to be radically changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And instead of passing on evil behavior, I'm going to pass on blessings and honor and glory in Jesus' name to my posterity. That, that's the dads we need right there. Those are the kinds of dads we need. He says, but I am holy I am just, can we talk for a few minutes about the forgotten doctrine of holiness? Some of you, I can read your minds. Brother Danny, I'm good with love, but not so much with holy. What's that song, Brother Terry? What do I know? What do I know of holy?
I love the way this one writer puts it. Allow me to read this quote. There are those who want to argue that if God were truly loving, he would never condemn sinners. Such an argument completely misses the point. Because God is both loving and holy, he must condemn sin because sin's effect is to destroy God's image in us. For God to be holy, he must be just. And his justice leads to the condemnation of sin. At the same time, his loving kindness, his compassionate nature offers us forgiveness from sin. I love this text. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says, Be holy. You see it? He who called you is holy. Now, what does holy mean? Just blew my nose on national TV. Let me do it again. Bless you guys. Y'all can edit that. Please do. If not, just keep it raw. Just keep it, keep it real. <laughs> what does holy mean? Does it mean weird? Some of you are looking at me like, yeah. <laughs> if it's anything like you, it's, it, is it mean, is it, is it weird? Or is it, is it different? God says, of, of my essence and my nature, I'm a holy God, and I'm asking you to, to follow me in holiness. And this is where people walk out. People are like, I'm good with love, but I'm not so much good with holy. And D.A. Car Carson says, this is where we gag God. We bound God with, an, with a rope in his anthropomorphism, in his mouth. God is spirit. He doesn't have a mouth, but to use language to describe God in human language, we call them anthropomorphisms, okay? Oh, God, help me read this next part. This is so hard to read, but I've got to read it to you. Listen to this. I just want to buy $3 worth of God, please. It's not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man. Or to pick beats with a migrant. You see, I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I, I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Oh, God, have mercy on us. Help us, God, to see that you are holy and that as your people, we are to have a holiness and aroma about us that is different. Not weird, but, but we're different. We walk with Christ. We, we love, let me, guys, we're... Where have, we, where have we gone? We have checked out on God and holiness. You will leave this premise today and you will go out and your ethics and your behavior and your morality will be no different. It will be no different than your colleague at, at work, than your co-worker there. You'll just go out and you'll live just like you want to live. You will jettison and abdicate and abandon the holiness dimension. You'll be all syrupy sweet with love. And you wonder why... Can I have any real zeal in my spirituality? Because you've checked out 
on holiness. And God says, check back. You know, this week, I, you know, I was feeling sorry for myself because there's this movie coming out and I really wanted to see it. And it blasphemes God's name over and over and over. And it uses the F-bomb over. And I'm just like, and I checked it out and I was like, I can't go see it, you know. And I just felt sorry for myself. And I came to church today. <laughs> I met the Lord in worship. And God just whispered to me, he said, am I enough? He said, am I enough? And he is. <laughs> he really Yes, but I felt so bad for feeling sorry that I couldn't go see this movie. What are you saying, Brother Danny? If I go to a movie and uses God's name in vain, I'm a reprobate, I'm a sinful person? Let me, let me just be careful in what I'm about to say. Ask God. He'll tell you. No, not weird, but I just, he says, I am love. And I want you to be loving, and I want you to be holy. Not mean, not, not judgmental, not pharisaical, but be holy and be loving. Now, let me, let me go quickly now to the response of, of Moses. Man. <sighs> Stay with me, guys. I don't, I don't do this a lot. But I don't preach on this a lot. <laughs> I don't preach on his name, this name, a lot. Okay, number one is he made haste. The Hebrew word is mahar. It means to flow easily, to be liquid. It means to be speedy, to be quick. Moses met God and, and he was different. It says he hurried up. Kind of like Isaiah did. Remember Isaiah 6, 8, where God revealed himself in the temple, and, and Isaiah was just overshadowed and overwhelmed with the presence of God. And he goes, here I am, God, here I am. Send me, Lord. There's this spiritual vitality and exuberance. There's this humility. There's this alacrity. Alacrity means quickness and eagerness that you go into the presence of God and you're broken before God and you bow down and you worship him. That's what Moses does. Number one, he made haste. Number two, he bowed his head. Genesis 17, 3 says, Abraham bowed down before God and I will fall at your feet. And I will fall at your feet. Remember that song? And I will worship you here. Yeah, you remember that? We sing that. I will fall. I will worship. Because that is the correct biblical response to meeting holy God, loving God, pure God, just God, Yahweh. And then, finally, he worshiped. The word shaka, I love this Hebrew word, is so demonstrative. It's not our flippant, you know, get out of our car, come in, get our coffee, sit down, be entertained, and head on out back into the world. No, it's, I mean, it's like radical. It's just meet God and, and worship and 
the proper posture of meeting God, guys. It's, it's not this flippant arrogance. It's this brokenness. It's this humility. It's, it's like, wow, God, you are special. You are amazing. And, and, and I just love you and I worship you today. I, that's, that's what's happening in the text. And that's what I would love to see replicated every Sunday at Great Hills Baptist Church. It, it either will happen or I'm... <laughs> I'm just not going to make it. <laughs> Let me tell you who the creator is. He's, he's uh, driven, analytical, intense, complex. He's weird, okay? And I, I just, I'm passionate for this. I'm passionate for us to meet God, be trans, transformed by him. So this is the request, finally, that he makes. Moses prefaces his request to God with this humble statement. If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, O Adonai. You remember Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, and we come humbly before God and, and we make our petitions, our requests made with thanksgiving. That's what Moses is doing. Excuse me. And this is what I find myself doing. For Great Hills Baptist Church. He says, Oh Lord, let my Lord, I pray, three things. Number one, go with us, even though we're stiff-necked. Number two, pardon us. And number three, take us, God, as your inheritance. Um, you know, that to me it really encapsulates the request of Moses is, God, more than anything else, go with us. God, you're, you're holy, you're loving, you're amazing, we are not. But be gracious and kind, be true to your nature and your name. And go with us, and even though we are, listen, listen to this word, we are stiff-necked. Ooh, that's an interesting Hebrew word. That's an onomatopoeia. Let me, let me give it to you. It's kasha. It sounds bad, it is bad. That's an onomatopoeia, isn't it not? Kasha means tense, I mean, excuse me, dense. It means tough, severe, cruel, and hardened. And he goes, Moses like, God, I got a bunch of recalcitrant, stubborn souls here. And Lord, we are arrogant, and Lord, we are theologically dense. We don't get it. God, please don't zap us and kill us. Have mercy on us, God, and we'll make it. Because we are stiff-necked. Y'all know what stiff-necked is? Y'all you ever seen a stiff-necked person? I mean, there's, just, you know, just their necks and their hearts are just calcified, mummified, you know. And I, I, I grieve for that. I, I, I know we have some of them folks in our church. I, I'm preaching to some of you now. And it's, it's like, God, please have mercy on us. I, I fear, I don't fear a lot of things, but I fear this. I fear this leather, tough, dense religiosity, Pharisaism that's more righteous than Jesus. It's like this lady I, I read about, true story, and it's crazy, but I'm going to tell it to you. This lady, she said that um, she was so against alcohol, and, um, and she she said even in the original Lord's Supper, Jesus did not use wine. He used grape juice. 
And his, her daughter says, Mom, what? You know, I just love kids. They're like, what? It says in the Bible that Jesus used wine. In fact, she began to correct her mom. She says, Mom, in fact, the Bible also says that Jesus turned the water into, into wine. And the mom got real mad. She had these vain things poking out of her neck. Her eyes got real big. And she said, yeah, Jesus did that, and he never should have done it. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> That's dense. That's leather tough, more righteous than Christ. Listen, guys, nobody dislikes alcohol more than Brother Danny. Let me just go on record and say it. I don't touch it because I would love it. No, I would. Stonewall Jackson says, whiskey, you bet. I'll leave it alone because I know I have this propensity, addictive behavior. Used to early on in my ministry about alcohol, man, I would just rip, snorting, rooting, tooting, man. I'd just go after you. But I don't do that anymore. I just want you to know him. <laughs> you know him. It don't, all that stuff is not as important. I mean, no, stay with me. If you know him, you will not be a drunkard. If you know him and you love him, you will serve him. You will be passionate for him. And God has extracted a lot of Pharisaism out of me, a lot of legalism out of me, because I'm telling you guys, I can, get, I can get intense. And I don't want to be that way. I, I want to be more like him. He's transforming me and where I'm gracious and, and forgiving and kind. And I guess I'm just more, I want to be more like him. Oh, mercy. God reveals himself in this text as love, as holy. Moses responds with alacrity, with humility. And he makes these requests. He says, God, go with us and change us. Forgive us because we are hard in our hearts. I don't know how God has spoken to your heart through this, through this story. It really is a story. It's Martin Luther, interesting enough, the great 15th century reformer, creator, as you know, the Lutheran church. Martin Luther said... The text you just read was a sermon that God preached on his name. He just revealed to you who he is. And I'm, I'm just praying that as God reveals himself in his word, that you and I will respond. And we will respond not with this jaded Pharisaism and not with this syrupy universalism, everybody's okay thing, but we will be that sweet balance where Christ is. Pure love and pure holy. Would y'all pray with me, please? Your heads bowed and eyes closed. I want us to go to the Lord. Just ask Him. Just ask Him what He thinks. What does God think about, about what we're doing here at Great Hills? Ask God, what, do you, what does he think about your life and the, and the lifestyle that you're living, your behavior, your ethics, your morality? Are you in that sweet balance of love and holy? Are you skewed toward everything goes or are you skewed toward nothing goes? <laughs> Would you come back and just 
let's, let's be like Christ, who, man, just so in love with the Father, so walking with Him. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God. You really don't know Him. You, you need to meet Him. He has revealed Himself to you in, in clear, with great clarity, God revealed Himself to you today. Now, you can accept Him or you can reject Him. That is, that is what is called a free will. But I beseech you, my friend, that you would embrace Him and know that He is the one true God and you would be saved today. Others of you are here and you... You need a church, man. You need a body of Christ, a place you can belong, a place you can unite with and link with and be in community with. We invite you today that you would come and you would, you would say, yes, God, this is where I want to be. And this is, this is the group of people that are trying. Lord, they're not perfect. Look at that poor, pitiful pastor they got. God, he's very, he's very transparent. But, Lord, I believe him. I believe he's really trying, God. He really wants to meet you, God. He wants to know you. And he wants to lead us to know you, so you come. So, Father, we just ask you to move upon this invitation. and Lord, be with Brother Terry. God, give him good, strong voice as he sings for us again. And, and help us, Lord, just to stand to our feet with reverence, with prayer. God, help us to meet you in this moment. For some, it's prostrate, prostrate on our faces before you, God. And Lord, we beseech you, go with us. Go with our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand and not sing for just a moment? Just stand to your feet. Brother Terry, would you sing for us? And I just ask you to listen to the words of this song. Powerful, powerful lyrics of who God is, who he is not. And I pray that you would just encounter him this morning in a sweet, intimate, passionate way. And I just invite you, just, just do business with him right there. Brother Terry, you lead us. You pastors, guys, y'all come up. That'd be awesome.